Welcome to Your Own Words, a podcast that celebrates the love of reading with real people and real books, both critically acclaimed and slated. Listeners are encouraged to read along and join the journey to the libraries of friends newly discovered. This podcast may contain spoilers, feminist rants, curse words and mispronunciations of names, cities and more. You know, the saddest thing about this new technology we're trying to use to record this podcast today, Beck. Do you tell me, please? Uh, we don't have, we don't get to clap. <gasps> do we not get to do our Natalie Maines moment? No, because it's automatically recording everything that's, in the same time. So it's already lined up. That's literally my favorite moment of the podcast. I still really don't understand why you call it a Natalie Maines. <laughs> like, what is she? No I idea. <laughs> when I think about Natalie Maines, I don't think, oh yeah, the woman who claps a lot. <laughs> I think it's because predominantly in this podcast, it's been a video of three women. Oh, I see. I think so that's where like it a, comes from. A chick um, sing-along moment. Yeah, I, I, don't, I honestly don't know. And there's some really good clapping on the new album. Um, so I often have been doing a lot of clapping going okay. to the chicks. And then there's three women and then we clap. I, right. I don't have a lot to hold on to right now. <laughs> so You know, I'm, I'm not in, trying to insult it. I'm not telling you to stop. My brain le- I mean, you have just taken it away from me. So. Yeah, I have. No, I, didn't, I mean, we could still do it. It just Dashed. It, it won't be anything. No pre-warning. Just like arrive me here and then take away the one thing I live for. That's, that's I'm really cool. sorry. Thanks. I appreciate that. No worries. But well, how are you? <laughs> um, I'm doing okay. Oh. My dog is here. Hi, Bubba. Um, I'm doing okay. I went out into the world today. Wow. And um, what's it like out there? I just really hate people. <laughs> That's the thing, right, with this whole lockdown lifting thing. Because what I realize is that actually all of my favorite things about life exist anyway in lockdown. And all the things I hate most about life exist when lockdown eases. Like, so I like mean, I, I went to my first bar <laughs> this week as well. I mean, obviously, we're recording so far in advance that this will be old news by the time it comes out. But for the sake of documenting it, went to my first bar. That was really nice. You know, also like people are at separate tables. But today walking mm-hmm. Northcott Road and there's just people and nobody, yeah. you know, I think there was this sense that everyone was going to be so much like kinder and con- more considerate no. out of lockdown. Like, no, people still don't give a shit about you or your personal space. Human beings are still shit. Yeah. And children and... are especially horrifying. Um, so um, I haven't been able, I've been really busy with work and I haven't been able to do any extracurricular reading. Even though I guess reading for the podcast is sort of extracurricular because it's a cho- it's uh-huh. a choice, but um, you do have choice here. I mean, I don't <laughs> have a choice of what books we read, but I do have a choice whether or not podcast. to do it. <laughs> but you have been doing some extracurricular reading, and you have I? Yeah, yeah. Back, I literally told you I was going to prompt you to talk about. Oh this. yeah, I can with you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so totally so Beck, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask yeah. you what you've been reading because it sounds really interesting and, and I think you should tell the listeners. Um, oh, obviously it stuck with me because I completely forgot. You're back on a, on a cult. <laughs> well, I mean, it's sort of I'm a back cult. In it's not a really cult a cult world. But yeah. you're back well, in a... I mean, it's a family of cult. Um, I'm reading the ex- yeah. I'm reading the uh, memoir. Is it a memoir? I guess memoir. Um, 
of Megan Phelps Roper, who left the Westboro Baptist Church, which is some mad shit. It's called Unfollow. Um, I'm about halfway through, and it's like, for one thing, it's so stunningly written. She is smart. Um, it's also heartbreaking because it's kind of this weird balance of love of family and she writes about the love that they all had for each other as family so beautifully and you feel you feel the love she had for her parents and for her grandfather and they had for each other and it just feels like such warmth and care and joy in this family household Hmm. Um, and then at the same time she talks about going out and picketing soldiers funerals and like just hating gays and being really glad that people were dying of AIDS you know I'm bearing in mind at this point she's like 12 13 maybe younger and she's like out there going yeah you've got AIDS woo um so it's this really odd balance of love and hate literally like Mm. how I can't imagine how difficult it would be for a child who's just grown up in this world where actually everything around you is full of love and you're being told from that love that you have to hate these other people like how do you even begin to unpick that and that's kind of what what it's about how she begins to unpick that and how she begins to listen to the feelings in herself which kind of say I'm not sure this is right I don't feel comfortable I feel a bit sad I think I have empathy for these people but I don't know what that even means because that's not been part of my narrative and so it's just it's a really wonderfully written interesting for lots of reasons but beautiful account of growing up torn very much between love and hatred to it to its extremes on both sides and then having to find your own voice it sounds amazing um and I'm really enjoying it I'm about halfway through and I'm just finding it like there's moments when I'm like oh my god that's so sad and weirdly, the moments I'm finding really sad are the very touching moments between her and her family because I'm like, it's so sad that you had so much love and yet you were equally being so entirely distorted and yeah. not allowed to live for yourself because you had to live by these doctrines. And it's just like how this beautiful moment that you described full of love and joy, that's kind of breaking my heart a bit because it wasn't, real in some weird ways Mm. it it didn't reflect the world you weren't allowed to exist in the world and find your place in the world in a way that other people were and that to me seems unloving it's just it's very it's fascinating I feel like I'm gonna get to the end of it and I'm gonna have to listen to it again because there's so many layers yeah that I can't quite piece together in oh one and day. you're audiobooking it is she reading it herself she's reading it herself figured, yeah. yeah she's been very vocal like I yeah I couldn't clock the name at first all I could think of was Michael Phelps I was like is she related <laughs> to the swimmer or and then I finally I was like oh right 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 that Phelps very wow. bizarre very interesting yeah um, I'm gonna very have sad to, I'm gonna have to grab that one for sure speaking of sad yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Should we um, should we introduce today's book, which is also, I think, quite sad. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I I laughed all the way through. Um, yep. Today's sad book. Have we had 
I feel like this series hasn't been sad book after sad book after sad book. It hasn't been like tear jerking. I mean, I, yeah. this one still didn't make me cry, but it, yeah, it we definitely had I any felt big... very low all along. So yeah, yeah, we haven't had a big tear jerker yet. I'm trying to yeah, think of what's next. I don't know if that's I a feel like the last two series we just had sad after sad after sad. Especially after sad. Granny. <laughs> Literally, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night crying about that. Grandma's here, huh? Oh, Grinny. Um, okay, so I shall introduce today's author of the book that we are about to read. Yay. I'm saying that with such doubt. Nope, that's 100% <laughs> um, what you're going to do. I, I trust myself. Um, recipient of the 2017 Nobel Prize in Literature, the Nagasaki-born Kazuo Ishiguro's writing career began with 1982's acclaimed novel A Pale View of Hills. His third book, The Remains of the Day, 1989, firmly secured his reputation as a writer with an unparalleled control of character and nuance. Its standing was later confirmed by winning the Booker Prize for that year. If anything, Ishiguri's reputation has only grown over the years, scoring another triumph in 2005 with his dystopian masterwork, Never Let Me Go, which was again shortlisted for the Man Booker. To date, Ishiguri has been shortlisted for the Booker Prize four times. The Swedish Nobel Prize Academy praised Ishiguro as a writer who, in novels of great emotional force, has uncovered the abyss beneath our illusory sense of connection with the world. His luminous new novel, Clara and the Sun, explores the uncharted implications of AI to human relationships and the abiding question of what it means to love. And that, my friends, is from Waterstones, who are doing unparalleled work in both the synopsis and ortho via category of late. That is true. My uh, synopsis is also from Waterstones, (laughs) and I went into one today. You went into one? I went inside one. Inside of? Inside of Waterstones, yeah. With like a roof and walls and everything? Yeah, yeah. and walls lined with books. It was a beautiful experience. I I didn't stay for very long uh, because there were a lot of people in it and I got anxious. There's one down the road. Maybe I should go inside of one. Just just step your little foot in. Don't know why your foot is so little. Just just like, you know, stretch. I have normal sized feet. <laughs> I don't mind are huge. Um just yeah, dip dip your toe <laughs> in the water stones. In the water. In the water stones. stones. Boom. Mm-hmm. I'm Boom. getting that on a t shirt. Yeah. Um Thank you. you're welcome, water stones. <laughs> We're here for you. Always. Give us some sponsorship. What? Anyway. <laughs> um, so the synopsis for today's book, which is I thought also very lovely. Both an utterly unique exercise in dystopian fiction and a powerful portrayal of friendship at its most intimate, Never Let Me Go follows three students at the woozily pleasant Hailsham School as their preordained futures begin to unfold. In one of the most memorable novels of recent years, Kazuo Ishiguro imagines the lives of a group of students growing up in a darkly skewered version of contemporary England. Narrated by Kathy, now 31, Never Let Me Go hauntingly dramatizes her attempts to come to terms with her childhood at the seemingly idyllic Hailsham School and with the fate that has always awaited her and her closest friends in the wider world. A story of love, friendship, and memory, Never Let Me Go is charged throughout with a sense of the fragility of life. Waterstones! Waterstones. Waterstones. (laughs) Really bringing it home for us now. I'd read that. I I mean, I have already. Same. So I don't know if I would again. 
based like immediately. Right. But maybe in time. Okay. You know. Um, um do you wanna tell the listeners who our guest is today? Um yes I yes I do want to tell the listeners about today's guest. And also you and I. So here we go. Camille Lipnicki lives in Charlottesville, Virginia, and works at the University of Virginia as a legal assistant. She says she's definitely one of those kids who got in trouble for reading under the covers after bedtime, and in fact still reads under the covers after bedtime, so the light doesn't bother her husband as he tries to sleep. She's considerate. We like that. (laughs) While she and her husband add six months to the timeline every time someone asks when they're going to have kids, they have just welcomed a new dog named Athena to their family. When she's not reading, Camille enjoys knitting, cross-stitch, quilting, gaming, and keeping a bullet journal. She's basically you. I know. I'm so excited to talk to her. You can just take a nap for the first, like, 15, 20. I'll go put my celery juice on um, and I'll come back. <laughs> Welcome, Camille. We're so happy to have you. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> um. So uh, Beck was just saying when I kind of listed off your interests other than reading, um, her immediate reaction was, oh, she's basically you. So she's just going to take a nap (laughs) now. And um, I think first, not book related, please tell us about your dog because I am the dog owner out of the two of us. And usually we've had a a really large spate of cat owners recently. So please tell me everything about Athena (laughs) right now. So we just adopted Athena in February. And um, she is a 50-pound dog, um, so she's medium-sized, not too big, not too small. And um, we just bought our house last June, so we have this huge backyard for her to run around in. Um, And uh, she had some medical things that she was working through when we first adopted her. And so we haven't had her run around in the yard until literally last night. Last night was the first time she got to go off-leash. and um watching her that like just for 15 minutes off leash in the backyard uh we're really worried she's going to start bringing dead birds and dead <laughs> rabbits into our house <laughs> because she almost caught a bird yesterday after realizing that she was off leash so um she's really enjoying it we're waking up earlier um because she has to go outside and if she doesn't she just barks and then chews through her bed okay so she's this is the thing with dogs so I also have an adopted uh rescue nightmare um (laughs) he is uh I I don't know how to translate kilos into pounds and I should because I'm Canadian and we speak in pounds but um he's eight and a half kilos I think he's like 19 pounds maybe so he's small but um He's a terrier, so he's insane. Um, but yeah, there is something about dogs, whether it's for better or worse, they get you up early in the morning. I was up today. We're recording on a Saturday. I was up at like seven because of him. So that's fun. But um, did you, before she started nearly murdering animals, did you experience what I experienced when I watched Bowie? run around off lead which is just like pure joy because they're just so adorable just running around like so thrilled to be alive absolute joy and a little she was a little bewildered which was very funny because she's not been allowed to be out on her own without a leash before so she was 
it was like seeing somebody see the world for the first time again. And uh, she's just, she's the sweetest. She's very cuddly. And so it was really nice to be able to give her that, like give her the whole backyard to, to run around in. Aww. So we're excited as she's starting to feel better and better that she's going to get to have more exercise and maybe actually sleep in a little bit. <laughs> the barking at 645 in the morning is a yeah. much. To you and congrats Thank on you. being a new dog parent. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of joy. Um, Beck is just, I told you Beck, she's just napping. It's great. Um, <laughs> okay. I'll try to run through these quick. Cause these are once again, Allison specific questions. What do you, yes. what are your, like, what's your cross stitch vibe? Are you like snarky? Are you like swears and podcast quotes? Like what's your general cross stitch situation? Uh, definitely nerdy. Right now I'm working on a full coverage piece, which is the entire piece is covered in <sighs> cross stitch rather than like different shapes. Yeah. Those are scary. Uh, I've only done one. Don't know what yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I know what that is. Don't explain to me. Oh, right. There's other people. <laughs> <laughs> um so the one that I'm working on right now is a full coverage and it says visit the Shire and it looks like a travel poster for the Shire so it's got a little hobbit hole and um, right now I'm working on the sky and there's just so much sky <laughs> <laughs> it's like a puzzle right you're just like oh my god how many blue pieces yes exactly um and then finally and this I can relate to books so Beck get ready to come back in um, I don't quilt, I don't game, I don't knit. So I've got nothing to say on those, but I have started bullet journaling. I love it very much. Oh, you've got yours right there. Mine is on the yes. floor beside me. Um, so to, to make it about books, do you track your reading in your bullet journal? Do you have any sort of spreads that are specific for books? So I actually have a separate journal that I keep for books. Uh, I had like a whole... It's a whole different setup. So I do, I bought these really cute little foil book stickers. And when I finish a book, I put a sticker in my bullet journal and write down what the book was so I can track like how many books I'm reading in a month and like when I finish them. But then I've got a whole nother journal that's a whole separate thing that's got my TBR and then my impressions of every book that I read, um, which I started last year. So it's, it's been fun to look back and see what I thought about different books and kind of writing notes to myself. So if I do recommend a book out, I can say, oh, this book, I really liked it because it had this really strong uh, female character and it was a mystery, but it was young adult. So, you know, like people who might like that could look at the book and say, oh, this might be a book for me. Wow. <laughs> so you're one of those organized people that I've heard about. <laughs> Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Is it just organized about very specific things? Yes, like very, very specific things. It, and if I didn't if I didn't have my bullet journal and if I didn't have my reading journal, I would just be completely all over the place. Like if it doesn't go in the journal, it's not happening. Yeah. I'm... I love the idea of a book. I don't know why I've never I mean I use Goodreads to track what I'm reading, but um I really like the idea of making notes about what it was that I like because I was actually looking back yesterday or the other day about what I've read this year because I was trying to think what have I really loved reading this year and I just couldn't remember and I was looking back and I was like oh I loved that because of whatever reason it was but I just it, I just hadn't retained that information and I feel like I wait not I've wasted time but I dedicated three or four days to reading these books and then I'm just like no idea 
what I thought about that or why I liked it or why I didn't like it or what I felt as I was reading like I just I don't track that stuff um, and I I feel like you know I remember those moments when I do sit and I'm reading something and it's touching me in some way and then I just don't hold on to them I put the book down I move on to something else and I I like the idea of actually holding those moments yeah, I think you're inspiring yeah. me slash making me feel guilty <laughs> about my lack of a system. Because I just like, I thought you were going to be like, yeah, I track the bullet journal. I've got a little tracker. Da, da, da. And I'm like, all I have is like in my monthly review page, I like jot down the books that I finished. But now I'm like, ooh, now I want to do something fancy or at least have like a, like a funny color I don't know. I'm I'm learning about bullet journaling and everything. It's like, wow, do like a color scheme for your mood. Is this um, why you went stationery shopping today? Yes. Okay. Right. Dude. Now it's all making sense. It's all tracking. Yeah. It's it's a thing. I'm getting obsessed with it. And now you're inspiring me to like do better with my books because every time I I go on Goodreads, I get really excited. Like I do get that like hit of like satisfaction by like ticking that I finished a book. And then it's like, how many stars would you read it? And I do that. But then I just like cannot be arsed to sit there because it's always on my phone and like type out a tiny review. But you're right. Same as you back. It's like a year from now, am I going to remember? Like, thank God we have this podcast. So at least these books will remember what the hell we thought in great (laughs) detail for an hour. Um, But yeah, all those other books, you know, will I remember down the line what it was even about? So Camille's goals, really. (laughs) I, I don't ever write down what the book is about because I figure if I need to see that I can like look that up it's always it's almost always about like how it made me feel or like the emotions I had while reading it and whether or not I liked it and for what reasons so it's it's never like this is a book about <laughs> a person who finds out that they're a demigod I just read the Percy Jackson series <laughs> I so. just yeah you're like maybe you're there's something about that that's like making me want to have another go because when I think about a Goodreads review a lot of people take those very seriously and write like a whole essay on their feelings and the themes and I'm just like I I've already got a podcast about this I've already got 75 other hobbies as we've just discussed Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this but maybe whether it be in my bullet journal or somewhere just saying like what I liked what I didn't like you know just like having like quick little notes on specific things like what would your star rating be what I loved what I didn't like who would I recommend it to or something like that yeah absolutely so um I don't have a clever way to segue into this Camille but you know what's coming um Beck and I have teams um Beck loves a paperback I love a hardback whose team are you on so I had to do a lot of soul searching about this. <laughs> we <And> understand. <laughs> I feel like team paper has a lot of good qualities. You know, the the traveling, being able to throw a book in your bag. I, I, I get all of that. They're also cheaper, which is nice. But I read a lot of ebooks. And so if I'm going to be buying a book. It's already something that I know I'm going to like, and I know I'm going to want to keep forever. Uh, So I am team Plinth. Yes. Beck, I am crushing you in season three. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, Um, not a visual medium, but listeners, I am doing a really awkward happy dance. 
It's awful. I'm just looking at my own screen like, stop doing that. You raise a valid point about ebooks as well because we don't. um, We don't really talk about ebooks very much. We don't talk much much about that. Um, Or audiobooks for that matter. Yeah, but I do know, like, friends. um, One of my friends who is one of the. She just literally is reading 10 books a second. She only ever reads on a Kindle, it very rarely reads an actual book. And so I, I, I get that it's a really popular way to read. It's just one that I've never really connected with. And so I kind of forget that it exists as a book forum. Um, yeah. So I think I think you should also be allowed to have like ebook because I feel like we should like maybe accept that that's it. No, no. I think well, no. Her, her team that she chose is her team. There is no third yeah, team. Yeah, but we do, I, just, I just feel like we should maybe also accept that that is a, a book. It is a valid format. Choice voting. Yeah. (laughs) Because I like part of me does feel like, should I get a Kindle? Like, should I branch into that area? Or am I just going to find it an unsatisfactory way of reading? It's a question that I increasingly ask myself because predominantly I have shelf space left for about eight books. (laughs) Just buy more shelves. I've run out of wool. I've like literally, there are <laughs> shelves. Every available wool has shelves on. And I already had to send to charity shops about 50 books this year. So I might have to end up kindling. But then I have this, I, I, I feel like I'll do what I'll do with audiobooks. Because when I listen to an audiobook and I really like it, I go out and buy the book. Yeah, <laughs> so right. I just feel like I'm going right? to do the same with an ebook. It's just, so. it's just like... I don't know what it is. I mean, we all know what it is in some way in, uh, instinctively because we're book lovers and even just the way you've answered that question suggests the same, but just like having the physical thing in your possession because it's something that you love and means something to you is like, it's just so satisfying. Yeah. And I, like and I agree. I like it's... it being on the shelf. All right. Well, <laughs> now that we have gone on 75 tangents, but we're talking about Never Let Me Go today. Whew. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. about all I have to say about it. Um, the BM. Thank you for coming to today's podcast. We should actually, um, I feel like this is going to be another one, and we've had a few of these lately, where I think we just have, there's going to be spoilers. I mean, the synopsis yeah. doesn't even say what they're like dark purpose is but i i just think it's a film it's a very big film as well the book is very well known and has been out for ages so listeners if you haven't read never let me go and you don't want spoilers you should probably just press pause here go read it come Mm -hmm. back um so it's not that long i mean like it's a standard site but i found it a really quick read yeah same so Yeah. yeah um or watch the film if you're I was about to say lazy. That's really rude. Um, <laughs> if you just want to, a quicker way to digest the information. Um, so that said, I just wanted to get that out of the way so you can feel free to discuss the book in any way you choose. So that said, um, can you tell us in your own words um, what Never Let Me Go is about? Okay. So Never Let Me Go is about a it's a coming of age story. I would say, about a girl who comes into this world in an unusual situation and has to sort of navigate the situation that none of us will ever be in and navigate these relationships 
and come to terms with dying without actually ever really, I think, comprehending her own mortality. Mm. Damn. Yeah. I want to read your book journal now because you've got some, <laughs> you got some deep thoughts. <laughs> yeah, this book is, it's, I don't even know where to where to begin with it. It's... I feel like we keep saying that, but we keep getting like weird sort of dystopian sci-fi things. And we I just love dystopian with, I don't novels. know what to talk about. Uh, well, the last, yeah, for context, Camille, because you won't know this because it's not out yet. The last recording we did, I don't know if you've read Annihilation. No. Or seen the film. That's like a very trippy, it's just a trip. I would say it's a wild ride. So we're, we've been getting like quite a few of these kind of dystopian things. I'm all for it. Dystopia. Dystopia is my favorite genre. Dystopia, yeah. <laughs> dystopia is where I want to be. Yeah. I just feel like the entire last episode, which was about annihilation, I think we use the word unsettled or unsettling. A lot. A lot. So many times. Yeah. Um, I want to have like a little like ding, ding, ding. Like every time we Should say we that word. Should we quickly thesaurus so that we don't just use the same <laughs> word again? Because this one is this unsettling one. too. Because this one I also found unsettling. I feel like it's like this thing where you you do, you kind of have this sense of impending doom for a very long time. And yet, I don't feel like there's ever any real emotional climax even in what should be the climax like at the end of the book it's almost like these characters don't were trained or taught who they are and what they're for in a way that removed their ability to feel any emotion or not any emotion but extreme emotion at at, at what is going on with them does that make sense yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think, I mean, I think they sort of address it when they're they're talking about sort of the end of their time at Halisham, because Miss Lucy says you've been told and not told about what's going to happen to you and how that's going to all sort of come about. And so, like, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like in the same way, we as readers are told and not told because it's kind of just like drip fed Throughout, it's like they start using the word donors and the word carers, but they don't explain explicitly what that means. And so you, as a reader, the minute they say donors, you pretty much get. So I'm, I, I don't think it's a massive spoiler because it it's pretty quick uh, that you start to put the pieces together. But it's, once again, never explicitly said. And and I was thinking about that last night. We My flatmates and I watched the film, and I am curious to hear your thoughts on that uh, in a bit. But we watched the film last night, so I got like a second kind of injection of it um and a really good kind of reminder of of what the book is about and it's kind of I almost wonder if if he did that on purpose because it's almost like it's not it's told and not told to us in the way it's told and not told to them does that like it's like they Absolutely. they were told everything just before they could actually comprehend what it meant so it was there and it was underlying but it was never something they could fully comprehend and thus never something they could fully react to. And I feel like as a reader, I had that same emotion. It was this kind of like underlying sense of like, this is pretty dark, but never, there was no big emotional explosive kind of moments that really like ripped, I was going to say ripped your guts out. That's a really, 
bad choice of words in this conversation. But I feel like as I was um, going through it, it kind of, it reminded me a lot of sort of Agatha Christie in a weird way, in the way it sort of like just bummed along, like in a little country village and like people were just pottering around their lives and these things were all perfectly normal and everything was wonderful, but actually there had been a horrific murder that no one was really talking about. Because it is, it's like you say, there isn't, there didn't feel like there was this big climactic moment that it was led up to. It felt very much really just like normative pottering around with life and going to work and getting up and saying hello to the postman and doing your things even though secretly you're plotting something you know it had this that kind of very undramatic but as a result incredibly unsettling vibe that really reminded me of that sort of Agatha Christie style of of murder story (laughs) because it wasn't like Bish, bash, bosh, fireworks, explosions. Here's the awful thing. Look at it. It was just like, la, 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 doobie doo. You know, it was, it was so normal in the way the story was presented, even though the whole time you knew that something very abnormal was actually happening. But there were no bells and whistles to it. And that, for me, made it more unsettling because half the time I felt like, am I, like, going to go to a country fate next? I mean, like, what? This just feels so standard that... Why am I also at the same time feeling a little bit disturbed? It had that that was kind of the vibe I got. Yeah, absolutely. And for the podcast, I was looking at some reviews, which I've actually never done before for this mm. book because I was so worried that people were going to say bad things about it that I didn't want to look and see what people had said about it at all. And they described this book as a horror book and. I I hadn't ever really thought about it that way. I thought about it more as a dystopia, but I could definitely also see where it's almost a horror book, which is weird because I read the first six pages of It by Stephen King and had to sleep with all the lights on. Like, I hate (laughs) horror books, but this one, for whatever reason, works for me. Yeah, it's funny, actually, when Beck, so I read it, or I had started reading it before Beck started. I think, did you audiobook it, Beck? I audiobooked it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, and I remember you saying, oh, I've started the audiobook and then texting me. We we tend to WhatsApp each other during readings to kind of like take take each other's pulse on how we're feeling about it. Normally me just prodding back, like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Because I'm like that. And she's just like, stop bothering me. I'm reading. But um, one of the first things you said back was like something like, oh, it's a science fiction. And I was like, what? No, it's not. And I had to Google it and be like, oh like Google says it's a dystopian science fiction. And I was like, yeah, I guess technically it is. But when I think science fiction, I think Annihilation, for example. I think these like yeah. really over the top, more scary books. And and this doesn't strike me as scary, even though the subject matter is horrifying. It actually is like if you really think about it. But I think because it never, it just skims the surface of everything. Yeah, You never get to really see how you feel about it that's the thing right it feels like you're looking out across a really calm ocean the whole time but then what you ha- have to remind yourself is that underneath the water there are sharks and that's mm. like that's what I liked about it like I just felt like I was standing there and everything was just constantly calm and nothing was really happening it was all perfectly normal but actually that what that was covering was something really terrifying and really horrific and really like mental that you know when you actually stop and think about it it's really hard for you to get your head around like why how what who all of that stuff but at the same time you're looking out across a calm ocean and that's but I think that for me was where the not horror but where where the just that unsettlingness came from 
Yeah. That's where the, that's that's what was disturbing for me, the fact that it was so calm. It felt so calm and so matter of fact. Yeah, it's it's making me it's something I didn't wonder until we started having this conversation and I can see that we're all we all kind of did have that same sense of it being just so calm and so, you know, non-emotional is can you imagine if this story was told from the point of someone outside of Hailsham, like like a regular human being in a normal life talking about this medical thing that had come like that I can see being fantastical and full of emotion and full of drama and full of thoughts and feelings. And we do sort of get the sense in the book that that was going on once we kind of find out more near the end about the gallery and there were these kind of people trying to to uncover the humanity of these people and and you know almost fight yeah. for their rights but that's all going on in the periphery it's never going on in the story because a story is told from the yeah. point of view of someone who is raised and knows nothing else and is not privy to any of the emotional information or or the moral um kind of dilemma that that their very existence presents to the yeah. wider world um well you, you're not disturbed by your normal life if your normal life is normal to you yeah you know you're only disturbed by something that um is either abnormal to you or that you have enough distance from to be able to observe within the context of other things if you are just in that life and that's all you've ever known and that is your normal life and that is what you're told living is then you're not going to go oh hold up though because this is really weird because what is it weird in relation to that's that's just what life is to you yeah and that so the fact the complete like undisturbance of these people that have been to Hailsham is what makes it more disturbing to you as a reader because you have that ability to stand back and observe and think hold up a second so many moral issues so many emotional issues so many complicated like this is this is insane but they're telling the story like life and you know I think it's really interesting because I think the characters in the book also realize that like on some level I think they get that it's abnormal like their existence doesn't fit into the wider world I'm thinking about specifically Ruth and her desire to work in an office like it's such a small wish and it's one of those like oh man wouldn't that be great but it she almost kind of treats it in the book the same way that I would treat becoming like a WNBA star like cool that'd be awesome <laughs> never gonna happen but like it wouldn't it be nice <laughs> so I think I think that that's really interesting as well yeah, I wonder, I mean, and this is something, depending on how the conversation goes, I may cut because it may get a bit spoilery, but I think I didn't personally clock it, but last night chatting to my flatmates, I understood or, or have heard that some of the criticism about this book or maybe the film, which to be fair, the film is quite true to the book. Once again, we'll get there, we'll discuss it, but um, was why they why they don't try to escape there's no sense of wanting to escape. And at, at most, all they are looking for is like a couple years, just a couple years, you know, like their dreams, like you said, they're so small. They they have no desire, it seems, to rebel against this system or to escape it. And 
uh, apparently it wasn't a criticism criticism of mine personally i i didn't even really think of that but that is something i guess that has come up in some criticisms of the book is like well why didn't they fight it do you have any but you, do, but it, you don't you don't sit around trying to escape life if that is what you live if that's what life is i mean i'm not sitting here thinking where's where's the trap door out of the what like you know there must be a way for me to get out of here i'm <laughs> sitting here thinking oh wouldn't it be great to be i don't know whatever dream that we all have different dreams like it would be great to do such and such at some point in my life you know because the rest is just life so they're not sitting there thinking, how do I escape this world? How do I escape this thing that I'm trapped in? Because they're not trapped in it. They're just trying to live through life and have whatever dreams they can have within that, like everyone else. Because it's that it's just normal. It, whereas if you had been taken, if, you, if I picked you up from here and I put you in Hailsham and I was like, right, from now on, you're going to be a donor. You'd be like, what the fuck? Get me out of here. <laughs> and you would spend your time trying to escape. You wouldn't be sat there thinking, but one day, you know, I might be able to perform with Natalie Maines of the Chicks. I might be mixing up our dreams here. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't, that wouldn't be what you were doing. You would be thinking, how do I get out? How do I escape? You'd be plotting your escape. But if you'd always been in that world, you wouldn't be plotting your escape. You would just be thinking about that time when you get to sing with Natalie Maines. I think it's also important to remember that, especially in Halisham, but even when they're living in the cottages, like these are kids, they're teenagers. And thinking about myself as a teenager which I was 18 the first time I read this book I did kind of just do things you know the expectation was you know you're going to graduate high school you're going to go to college and then after college you're going to get a job and I followed that for the most part and I think when you have a childhood and you're pretty well taken care of I think a lot of people just kind of say like oh the adults in my life want me to do this thing next and so I do this thing next and then I do this other thing and there isn't really a lot of room to say like you know as a 16 year old I know they're rebellious 16 year olds and I was never rebellious I didn't get my nose pierced until I completely left (laughs) left my parents house okay maybe we're not the same person then (laughs) (laughs) But I, but they're they're kids, and and I think that's also important to remember. Yeah, and and similarly to what we said before, like if you're not exposed to what the outside world is, or these other lives, or these other dreams, then how do you even know to dream about them? Right? How do you even know? Uh, experience of the outside world is role playing how to order coffee in a coffee shop. Right? Like that. That's how big the world is to them. So without access to maybe television well I guess they do end up getting television at the cottages but even then they're just there's a whole thing about them just mimicking what they see on tv because they've never actually experienced it so their world is so so small whereas you know we grew up in the age of the internet and and you know cable television and and this whole thing where you could have any number of dreams and any number of lives available to you you know we're lucky in that sense as westerners and um you know, we're very privileged to have that. But I guess when you're when you live inside this tiny bubble, and your only experience is what you've been taught, then how does your brain even start to form those those grandiose plans or those that need to escape, right? Especially when you're safe, you're fed, you're taken care of, why, why would you um, escape? It's interesting that we've stuck without, I don't don't think we did this intentionally, but Camille, before you came in, I was talking about how I'm reading um, Unfollow, which is by Megan Phelps Roper, who left the Westboro Baptist Church. 
um, and it's her memoir about leaving that space. And so we started this by talking about, you know, living in a world which is very, very full of love. And so you don't question any of the things that you're told, you're cared for, the people around you are good to you. You're also being told all of these things, which, you know, are, are full of hate and are full of inequality and prejudice and this you know all of that sort of stuff but you're in a world which is safe and warm and loving and you're a child and these are the adults so you follow what you're told to do without really questioning it because why would you and it's only when you start to open up to having access and connections outside of that world that you even start to think about having your own voice and your own identity and your own perspectives on things and only then do you start thinking hold up a second this isn't right and I don't we, we hadn't specifically started talking about this because of this book but I feel like the two go really yeah there's a really together. strong correlation yeah. now <laughs> because it's 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 the same it's the same story it's you know before you can even begin to think about something like escaping for example you firstly have to know that you have a voice and have ideas and have an identity which is purely yours outside of this world but then you also once you found that have to work out what you think and feel and want from life and realize that that's not what this world offers. So these kids, are, and they're kids, so they're like four steps away from ever getting to a point where yeah. the idea that there could be something else or there should be something else or even that what they're living maybe isn't okay, they're four steps away from that without and without the resources to... Yeah, you. so you mentioned, Camille, that you read this at 18 so I'm curious um how this book came to you how you discovered it and you know what your first experience was like reading it why it hit you the way it did and you know how how your kind of relationship with this book has has evolved over time sorry that's about 10 questions in one but um (laughs) no it's okay I've actually been doing a lot of soul searching on this question as well trying to figure out what exactly about this book hit me so hard and so I read this book It was a book that was assigned to me um, at college. So the college that I went to, Montana State University in Bozeman, had an honors program. And as part of the honors program, you you were required to take this, ostensibly it was an English course, but sort of like a Socratic discussion course. And this was one of the books that was assigned and talking about like humanity and like what it means to be human and how do we know and all of that. And so I came across this book, had absolutely no idea what it was about or anything and picked it up and just started reading. So I had never even read a synopsis because it was just assigned to me. And I just followed along with what the adults in my life told me to do and (laughs) read this book. And I think one of the reasons that it hit me so hard at the time is that I moved to Bozeman to go to college from Minnesota, which is like a 15 hour drive. Like this is, I'm the furthest away from home I've ever been in my life. I was feeling very adrift and very disconnected and it was a time of transition for me. And a lot of the book feels like transition, you know, like they're, they're moving from Hallisham to the cottages and then moving from there to ultimately being a donor or a carer. And so I think that the transition sort of resonated with me and then also the the interpersonal relationships between uh Kathy and Ruth and Tommy which we didn't really talk about when we were talking about the more general synopsis of the book um and 
just the the love and the love lost and as a teenager I thought that my heart was absolutely completely broken and stomped on at the time um and you know I obviously know that's different I'm married now I've got my husband's in the other room taking care of my dog (laughs) like my life is wonderful and great but just sort of that feeling of like teenage love and teenage love lost I think I also really resonated with that um yeah we all resonate with that. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I think, um, I think often I was thinking about this the other day and actually weirdly this book, I started reading when I went to stay with a friend who had not only just finished the book, but had then bought the book for her mum. And I was like, huh? <laughs> everyone is reading this book. And so I started to think about why and how and what how I choose what books I recommend to people or how I choose um, what books are the ones which feel like they sit with me. And I realized in thinking about that, that it was the ones that had been there for me in those moments when I needed something without knowing what it was or how to find it. And often those moments are grief, love, change, you know, when we are, um, searching in some way for something unspoken and for something that we can't find within ourselves and that's where often the books I end up saying to people you have got to read this come from because in that moment the book that I read gave me that thing that I was looking for or needing without knowing that I was looking for that specific thing or needing that specific thing but just knowing that I was in need and that's often where I find those books so yeah I I get you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I don't know how old you are now or how long it has been since that first read, but have you gone back and revisited it and, and has your relationship to it changed as those times in your life have changed? Obviously, like you said, you're, you're no longer that teenager with a smashed heart, you know, just, just stepping out of the nest do you have a different relationship with it now I have revisited it a couple of times over the years and of course read it right before recording this podcast and I was very surprised by the emotion that I felt now versus thinking about how I felt about it then I'm no longer a teenager I'm actually turning 30 in a couple of weeks and (laughs) thank you (laughs) 30s um, are the best 30s ones. are the best. 30s are Get so stoked. good. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited to be 30. So I'm so now I'm I'm older and starting to think about having, you know, maybe kids of my own that are not of the four-legged variety. And so I felt more protective of them in a these are children and I want to protect them as opposed Mm. to these are my peers and I understand them on that level. So I thought that that was very interesting. Um, I still cried at the end and I, I think that the, the loss that Kathy feels at the end, which I'll try not to spoil too much, but I think that that loss really resonates with me on a, on sort of a different level because experiencing loss in that way is much different than experiencing loss as a child, like loss of childhood innocence is very different than loss of a loved one. Mm. Yeah. That last scene, that last page, 
it's heavy. It's heavy. And I, I guess this actually is perhaps a good transitioning point because as I said, I watched the film last night and I was very curious to how they were going to do the ending because they left out an entire plot point that led us to that ending in the book. And I was very happy that they still managed to bring it to that point because I thought any other ending to this book or to this story will absolutely crush me because that last page was probably the best page of the whole book, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so watch the film last night. We have been having this weird thing. Every single book we've done thus far this season has also had a film or some sort of adaptation. Um, so we're having a weird mini film festival alongside of this series. <laughs> it's like double That's the work. Awesome. <laughs> it's kind of fun. So we've had horrible, horrible rants about terrible adaptations. adaptations Rebecca don't watch the new Rebecca save yourself <laughs> um Annihilation well a good standalone film has no relationship to the book and the funny thing is and forgive me for going off on a minor thing we cannot escape Alex Garland he is everywhere he is All the taunting time. this podcast so we not only on season one I think one, did yeah. The Beach which is a book that he wrote but he's gone on to make several films. And so what? He did Annihilation. He's yeah. also did this and film. This he's just, <laughs> he's stalking us everywhere. And because I was, we were very confused, I will say it gently, about the Annihilation adaptation, I was wary. And I know Beck was also wary of this one. So I was literally last night watching it, like having just read the book too. Like, <laughs> what have you done, Alex? Analyzing. What have you done? It's like, where's the crocodile going to jump up from the fucking pier? <laughs> Sorry, once again, you have no context what I'm saying. But um, I, I thought... The film was actually quite true to the book. However, this morning, I was scrolling through Facebook while I was trying to get my dog to stop trying to wake me up at seven in the morning. And in one of the book club book groups that I'm in on Facebook, um, someone had posted very timely, like, which film adaptations of books do you absolutely hate? I'll start. Uh, What was it? Captain Corelli's Mandolin, the person. And there was this whole list. And the first kind of comment that I could see was never let me go that film completely butchered my favorite book and I commented unfortunately she hasn't written back because I was really hoping she would write back to me before we recorded I was like I'm so curious about this I'm literally about to record a podcast on it I watched the film last night I actually thought it was a really good adaptation all things considered like I want to know why you hate it so I, I want to know obviously Camille this is such an important book to you and you have such a relationship with it how did you feel about the film when it came out? Uh, so it was actually really interesting. So uh, for those playing along at home that maybe didn't necessarily do the math, I actually read this book in 2009. So the film came out like the next year. Ooh. And so it was actually very close together. And I read it for a class and the people that I met in my class are lifelong friends. Like they've, we're still in contact. I'm actually going to text them and tell them to listen to this podcast. Yes. Hi friends. <laughs> um, and so uh our little theater on campus like movie theater on campus picked it up and we were all devastated by the ending and then the movie was going to be there and we're like all right we gotta go do this and so it was it was me and two other friends and we just went and sat in the theater and the opening credits came up and we just cried through the entire movie I just remember sitting in the movie theater and like my poor friend in the middle he's got two girls crying on either side of him and we're just like each of us is holding onto one arm just like sobbing and he's just like 
tears rolling down his face, just cried the entire movie. Uh, so I thought it was great, but I haven't seen it since it came out. <laughs> Fair. I thought, I mean, it does, obviously, you're going to lose plot points. That's just the nature of an adaptation. Right. You cannot cram, you know, even a relatively short book into a two-hour film. It's just not possible. I thought they kept it quite true to the story. There were bits that I really loved about the book that were left out. So, for example, just that, the whole story about that, the cassette the cassette and that yeah. song and how it was lost. So in the film, it's never lost. But in the book, that's that's something that kind of comes up over and over and and ties right into the ending um, so beautifully. And I was kind of sad that that got left out. But it didn't take away from the film. They kind of, I feel like they, they romanticized things a little bit more which of course you're gonna do in a Hollywood film but overall I thought it was like a really beautiful adaptation and um sorry Beck uh, I I don't think you got a chance to watch it you can she was very wary when we saw Alex Garland's name sorry Alex Garland yeah (laughs) we don't want to be enemies with you like no but I like he wrote the last one from memory and like he didn't do Rebecca you know what I mean like he didn't completely he's he's fine but um the the director sorry I have to shout this out because and Beck maybe you'll get get this as a 90s girl um and a music buff um it was directed by mark romanek who has directed some of the greatest music videos nice. of all time like huh. the greatest music videos sorry camille <laughs> i just like when that name came up i was like why do i remember that name and i was like he's directed david bowie music videos nine inch nails closer nine inch nails perfect drug my favorite video like on vogue jay-z beyonce like he's directed insane music videos so i was like well that tracks why it's so beautiful to look at as well so Beck, yeah. you can safely watch this film. I think you'll actually quite <laughs> enjoy it. Um, and I'm glad to hear you liked it, Camille, because I was kind of like, was I wrong? What if she hates it? She's going to tell me like all the things to hate about it. No, I I give a lot of book to movie adaptations a lot of grace. Um, well, that makes one I of us. Think of, <laughs> I can think of... I, so my mom has always said, you know, I enjoy the book. I enjoy the movie. They're two separate things. And, you know, she doesn't, she kind of taught me from a young age, like, it doesn't matter. They can both be good in their own right. I can think of one time where I saw a movie and it was another one of my favorite books. And I just came out of the movie and just started crying because it was so, so bad. They did <laughs> such a terrible job. And it was, it was a book I was super excited about. I was like maybe middle or high school at the time. And, um, and I just like walked out of the theater and I was like, that's not what that book is supposed to be about. Like they, they totally ruined it and they ruined the ending. And I, I will not call the book or the movie. I was going to say, why are you doing this? (laughs) Suspense. um, It's devastating because. Especially if you have an emotional attachment to the book, then it feels like. And then they take out the emotion. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it feels yes. like they've taken the book and just ripped out the pages yeah. in front of you and <laughs> thrown them in your face. I think another thing, like, luckily with this one, too, is that um, the the author co-wrote the screenplay with Alex Garland. So yes. you could kind of tell, like, it kept that heart. Um, uh, why do I keep 
making horrible things that could be seen as donation <laughs> puns. It really kept the heart instead of giving it away for fuck's sake, Alison. Um, but he probably also didn't let Alex Garland just like read it 10 years ago and then write it from memory. He probably was like, do you know what, Al? Do you know what, bird? It would be really cool if you could actually read my book before writing a oh film about it. That would be great. We're going to start beef with Alex Garland and we're going to be cancelled soon, I think. Um, sorry, Alex. We love you. We did an episode on your book. Don't hate us. Anyway, back to Never Let Me Go. Um, So I guess it is interesting because you have, like you said, changed your relationship with it over time. Um, But I wonder who who you would recommend this to and why. So I did recommend it to my husband. Um, This is a book that I throw out on a list along with... um, a couple of others when people are like, "Oh, what's your what's your favorite book?" Uh, so this one this one comes up often in conversation, and I feel like it's a book that I recommend to a lot of people, with the caveat that it is a sad book. And so, I have some friends who read a lot of happy books, which is fine. I love books where what are they? <laughs> <laughs> we very rarely get happy books over here. <laughs> Well, I will. I will find some friends who read happy books and tell them to come. Yeah, on the podcast. thank you. Please do. It's the thing, though, the happy book, like not to digress too far, but the happy books don't necessarily. They're not. They bring you joy and they bring you delight and they are a delight to read. But they don't. They are not the ones that stick with you. They're not the ones that. That when someone says, "Hey, do you want to be a po- on a podcast about a book that had a big impact on you?" It's probably not going to be. I'm trying to see if I have any chiclet around like Confessions of a Shopaholic. Do you know what I mean? Like even if you enjoyed right. Confessions of a Shopaholic while you were on your beach vacation, like, so fair enough. But yeah, if you yeah. have some happy book friends that want to talk about a happy book, <laughs> then bring them on, bring them on down. But sorry, you were saying about your recommending this book. Um, I So I do, I do tell everybody that it's, that it's very sad. And then I also tell people that I really enjoyed this book and I really like it. And so if they don't like it, don't tell me. <laughs> I respect that deeply. Yeah, wise words. Wise words. Yeah. No one wants to be crushed. No. No, because just like if a, if a filmmaker fucks with your book, you don't want someone that you love to tell you about ha- hating something you love. It's it, like it would literally be like someone telling me they hated one of my cats. Yeah. Or like, like you, you know, hear, someone hear saying, "My cats, I hate your cats." Someone's uh, like, "Your whoa. baby's actually not that cute." Yeah. <laughs> there are just things you right. keep to yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm afraid to know what quote you picked because I feel like I'm gonna be really sad. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a quote ready for us? I do. I will say this is uh pretty much right at the beginning of chapter 17. Um so this is as they're sort of winding down their time at the cottages. So that's that's where they are. They're setting the scene, and I have to move my post-it up because I always stuck over the words that I was going <laughs> As I've said, it wasn't until a long time afterwards, long after I'd left the cottages, that I realized just how significant our little encounter in the churchyard had been. I was upset at the time, yes, but I didn't believe it to be anything so different from other tips we'd had. It never occurred to me that our lives, until then so closely interwoven, could unravel and separate over a thing like that. But the fact was, I suppose, there were powerful tides tugging us apart by then, 
and it only needed something like that to finish the task. If we'd understood that back then, who knows? Maybe we'd have kept a tighter hold of one another. Hmm. And also, I feel like as I was listening to that, I was thinking, I feel like I feel like that about a lot of the friends that I had when I was at school. You know, looking back, I feel like, oh, you know, if only we were older and wiser, and in hindsight, we just looked after each other in a different way. Um, which I think is something that as we get older, when we look back at the relationships we have with people and we see them in a different light, is something that we often, not wish for, but kind of accept that youth doesn't always allow us to be the best we can be for each other. That's an understatement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a beautiful quote. And it does really, I mean, what you've just said, Beck reminds me of the way they ended the film, which I thought was, it was basically almost verbatim that last page, but it added this little element. um, And Camille, I'm not expecting you necessarily to remember word by word. (laughs) It it was only a few hours ago for me, but there was just um, this little thought or this thing she, she said, or as narrating the film, um, just about wondering how different their lives actually were from other people's lives because and and I think the the sentiment was you know we all experience these losses and these these relationships with each other and these highs and lows and and at the end of the day like you know is there a big difference there which just really kind of just hit me in a different way um as well but it is a good it is something that I think it's another one of those underlying things that you don't really realize as you're reading it um, that it is true. Their their lives, despite being the you know the purpose of these lives being so disturbing and 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 horrific, like you're just following along with another person's life that could be similar to any one of us, really, right? It's it's not after all that different. So, yeah, and I think at the end of the book, when they're talking about the gallery being whether or not they have a soul. Mm-hmm. You've spent this entire book in their lives and the fact that there could even be a question on whether or not these people have a soul. I I really loved that. And I think that's also sort of getting at what you were saying about how different are they really? Yeah. Or how similar. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I think we can agree it's a good book. <laughs> <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> Another mystery solved, much like an Agatha Christie novel. Full circle. The mystery of the good book. Um, Yeah. Uh, Agreed. All joking aside, thank you so much for bringing this book to us. It was a a pleasure to read as much as it was sad to read. Um, It it definitely is like a, it just, it's a, it's a sad kind of mood piece, which is oddly uh, a, what someone else used to describe annihilation it's just thing that like once again it's similarly to that one it there's not these massive peaks and valleys um it's just just kind of a quiet sad journey of introspection and and i um i really really loved it so thank you very much for bringing it to us and 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 sharing your time 
to Annihilation, I would also like to, again, recommend it to anyone that has ever watched Doctor Who because it really really reminded me (laughs) of some of the um, less dramatic but more sort of like what does it mean to be human episodes that are often in Doctor Who? Like, what? Yes. Because someone is different, does that mean that they are not allowed love and joy and life and peace? And where do we draw these boundaries between what it means to be a person and what it means to exist? And it just really reminded me of that calm exploration about humanity. You know, does humanity stop at literally the physicality of being human? Or is humanity about feelings and knowledge and life and experience and all of those other things you know that that we kind of often forget because we're too busy doing our hair and makeup or, <laughs> you know kicking balls in nets I was trying to think of a thing that boys do um so that's why I went with wow but yeah but I think if you like Doctor Who as well and that kind of um you know what does it mean to be question which I think is what this book seeks to present if not necessarily answer then I think you'll like it amazing you too may discover that it is a good book (laughs) (laughs) well on that note um (laughs) Camille thank you so much for sharing your time with us and for sharing this book with us it has been an absolute pleasure having you as our guest yes thank you so much this has been absolutely wonderful and I'll go find my friends that read happy books and yes please yeah (laughs) we could use coming our way we could use a break (laughs) yeah honestly so that was another fun laugh riot yeah another joyous journey into the meaning of life and (laughs) whether or not there is one (laughs) (laughs) humanity is it a thing question Um. mark are we all doomed do any of us have souls find out next time (laughs) try to think what our next book is i actually don't know really something about pianos something about (laughs) i'm only like three pages in it's very beautiful so i do look forward to talking about and our next guest is a man oh yeah we we haven't had one this no i'm actually really excited and he's a book designer so i I want to ask i want to ask him all the questions do they also have two legs and two arms? Usually, but Man. let's not be ableist. <laughs> A fair point well made. Thank you. Um, I'm pretty well. Please, please come on the podcast with however many arms and legs. Come as you are, as you Kurt have. Cobain once said. And also Beverly Knight, who I think said it better. Okay. <laughs> That's a that's a whole other podcast episode. Um, um, so if you want to come on the podcast, please don't apply because we have too many guests. But you can apply for season four, um, which may be some time off because we're going to need a break to read some of our own books. Yes. But if you would like to do that, do um, yapod.com and fill out the little form and tell us what book you love of whatever genre it may happen to be. Short and happy would be lovely. Um, and we'll get back to you in a period of time that may or may not be suppressed by the coronavirus. <laughs> Beautifully said. Thank um, you. And while you're waiting for either our response or your turn in the queue, uh, you can interact with us on various other platforms um, in real time. So you can find us on Instagram at Yaopod. You can find us on Facebook. We've got a cool Facebook group. I say it's cool. Is it cool? I think it's cool. We're cool. So, yes. <laughs> well, that's is clear um you can find us on twitter at yow pod sometimes to say stuff there that is important it's 
somebody teach me how to Twitter, please. Um, and I told you this last week. You just need to be a bitch. To right. I need to start fights. Right. Mm-hmm. Got to be better at that. Um, and then finally, yeah, if you want bonus content, um, badges, bookmarks, all sorts of fun things, um, and want to support our book habit uh, slash expensive recording habit, um, you can give us a little love on Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash yowpod. I think that's all of our things. I think that's that feels like a lot, actually, considering nothing happens in life. That's true. <laughs> I, I worry that we've overindulged somewhat (laughs) but um you know luxury is an important part of self-care and um well-being so hashtag to those things hashtag to those things absolutely (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening friends uh you're the best and i don't know why you put up with us but we're happy that you do we're sorry we're sorry and we love you the end the end